with the first service, maybe I shared this with you before, I have limited Spanish because I'm from Southern California. And uh, the first Spanish I learned before I met Jesus Christ and he rescued me was, <laughs> Garzón, dos mos cerveza, por favor. <laughs> and then Jesus reached out and grabbed me. <laughs> he says, I can't let it go much further. <laughs> um, first of all, it's a privilege always to be invited back to visit and be with family. Um, a delight, really. I look forward to it. You know, to walk out of my door, being from upstate New York in a nice short sleeve shirt. <laughs> so, because we're at the time of the year when gifts are prominent, everybody here probably thinking of a gift for somebody or because it's Christmas time, I thought we'd look it's something in the scripture, and it's a gift. It's amazing, it's the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. It doesn't have to be returned because it doesn't fit. Uh, it doesn't break in six weeks because it's made in China. <laughs> uh, it's amazing, or when, if you're like I was, you open it, you can't wait to open it, and right away, you know, this baby's getting exchanged. And so I say, oh, this is different. Or I haven't even tried up. Oh, this doesn't fit. I know this won't fit. And that's the way we are. But in saying that, I doubt there's not one person in this room that on Christmas Day as a child or even now, up to this point in your life, not a one of you is rejected something that's wrapped up that you don't know what's in it and say, I don't know if I'll even like it. I don't, I don't I, I. and so you don't open it, you leave it alone. And you, know, you don't even know what's in there, but you open it. In fact, you rip apart $15 worth of wrapping paper and bows and throw it on the floor to get into it. There's not a one of you if you're normal. <laughs> but the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive is from God Almighty, and it's amazing how many people say, well, I don't know if I'll enjoy it. I don't know if it's real. I, and you reject it, reject it, reject it, reject it. And you go through three marriages. You're in and out at you know, alcohol clinics and drug rehab and scared to death of blood tests and but you open everything up on Christmas and next day you could drop dead and go straight to hell and you got the very thing you hoped you'd get for Christmas in that package you don't know what was in there but then it's over or you know just the the pain of paying off the credit cards and I don't think any one of us here have gotten really a gift that someone loved you and then gave you a bill for it. And here, the, the greatest person that exists, the wealthiest man, is offering a gift and people reject it. It's eternal life. Stop and think of this. 
I don't think there's a person, oh, there could be, we're all, you know, someone's going to be able to say, well, that's not me, mister. And there's always going to be that 1%, maybe. But say Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett or Bill Gates said, you know, I, you don't know me, but I've, I've watched your life. I know a little bit about you. I know your life. I have a special gift for you, Christmas. I bet you not a one of you here, myself included, would reject it. How does he know me? And yet, the wealthiest person in America says, I, I know about you, and I just, there's something, I just want to offer you this great gift. And just this, and I, I, I'll bet not a person would just, I don't, I don't know what's in there. I don't know. I don't know that guy. I, what can I do for me? I'm not going to open it. And see, God has to go through that year after year after year. And we've seen the heathen take over Christmas. It's nothing but a commercialized, very little do you see about Jesus Christ when they advertise on TV. But then there's that, that people who live in Goshen in the light. We know what it's all about. It's about Jesus Christ. God's only son who came to take our place that God the Father could save everyone. And, and that's a true scriptural term. Are you saved? Have you received the gift? Or did you just come to Calvary Chapel, Miami? There's something about that place. And you still haven't received the gift. But there's not a person here on Christmas morning, if that's your tradition, isn't going to open it. Something you don't even know what's in there. You see, that's, that's what God goes through. There's not a person here, not a person here, that the gift isn't for. And it's a gift. He doesn't expect anybody to buy it. You can't earn it. He doesn't want you to try to earn it because we can't earn it. Because we're born with this sin nature. It's impossible. And there's not a sinner whose life is being destroyed right now that hasn't, as soon as they can start thinking and, and speaking, and I can't wait to be an adult and get shot to death robbing a bank. I can't wait to destroy my marriage and my dignity through adultery. I can't wait to end up in an institution because of alcohol and drugs. I just live in for No, there's not one person who says, that's what I want in life. But see, because we're born with a sin nature, we can't avoid those things. We don't become a sinner when we do those things. We prove we are sinners because we do those things. It's inevitable. And God knows that, just like he knows everybody in here. In fact, the Bible says he hears the desires of our hearts. He knows the hurting people. He knows the things that are so private um, Amanda, desire something. Zach, tell me what she desired. <laughs> God hears our desires. That's how much he loves us. He wants to grant them to us. But it's all through his gift Jesus Christ. And Jesus, you remember in the beginning of his ministry, just in the be beginning at the Temple Mount with all the crowds and the priests and everything, 
He, he told them, search the scriptures. They went to church. They, went, they didn't miss the holidays, the, the traditions and the rituals. Remember, they grew up with the Bible. They were Jews. They had the book. But he said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are such as testify of me. It's true. The scriptures all testify of me. And the New Testament hadn't even been written. The only thing they had was the Old Testament then. It was years before the New Testament was written. And so what he's revealing to them is that you've got your problems and everything because you don't really know who I am. You've heard about me, but you don't know me. And it's the same problem with the children of Israel when they left Egypt. And so Jesus compares himself and he puts his approval and stamp of confirmation on something that took place 4,500 years before he states what he says in John to show that it's him, that the whole book speaks of Jesus Christ. And when you start reading the scriptures, you find out that he appeared in theophanies or actually providentially controlled nations and circumstances and events to show who he is in every book of the Old Testament. And so he takes them through something wonderful because he wants them to receive the gift. He doesn't expect anybody to earn it because he knows we can't earn it. We're broken, we can't fix ourselves. And some of us may not be as broken as others, but we're broken. And so God, you see, he's everything. I'll take care of it. I want to do it. I love you. I have a gift for you. Please receive it. Well, I don't, I don't know. But not a one of you are going to do that for a package under a tree on Christmas Day. You're going to open it, find out what it is. So let's just look at it. Let's go to John chapter 3. And Jesus makes mention of something that is, speaks of him, reveals him in numbers 4,500 years earlier. And he also puts the stamp of approval and confirmation on a man named Moses, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt. So we're going back to 1400, actually 1450. B.C., so to speak. Verse 14, notice what he says. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And so right away he gives the type that he's going to be teaching on at that, this present time in John 3. He's the antitype. The type is, you see, the brazen serpent was the sin from the serpent. They were being bitten by a serpent because of their sin natures and their complaining, blaming everything on God, not being thankful for their deliverance from Egypt. You see, the children of Israel, they didn't hate Egypt, they hated the Egyptians. They wanted to live, because the Egyptians were so cruel and saw those inferior people and slaves, that they were beneath the dignity of the Egyptians. They were 
under terrible, terrible conditions. And so that's what they hated, that we're being persecuted, we're being treated as slaves, we are slaves, we're living like, almost like animals with dirt. And here they've got all this, this wealth, and they've got the clothing and the money and the bling. They got, you see, they didn't hate that. They hated the slavery and the persecution. And then when they got delivered, you see, God didn't design them to have all that stuff from Egypt. He designed a way to promise to keep them, you see, and protect them all the way to the promised land when they'd receive it for eternity. And they started complaining. How come, how come I can't live like an Egyptian? Why can't I have this? Why can't we do that? How come I have, you know what, we've had this furniture 40 years. When am I going to be able to change the drapes? We've had these drapes for 40 years. Why am I having to drive this old beat-up car? I want to go to nightclubs. I want to try a little bit of this and that. How come I can't? Why can't I mess around in that neighborhood? Why do I have to just be worried about people who only really believe in you? And see, what God was doing, he was controlling things and guiding them to protect them from all the disease and the problems and the sin that he delivered them out of. And they didn't like it. They wanted it right now. Or I'm going back to you. They forgot, you see, the trouble and the torment and the problems they had. They wanted to go back to it. They didn't like the way God and his pastor and the pastor's assistant pastor, Moses and Aaron, and the elders were leading them. So they're angry at God. They're angry at the pastor for 40 years. And they're just about to get in. And here God's delivered them time and time again. And they're at a point where they're complaining again. And God does something so remarkable. A lot of people don't realize it's grace. He gives them grace because he loves them. And so Jesus touches on this to show them that at his time, there's something even greater. There's greater grace in the new than there was in the old. So he, he shows them that all the sin of the people were crying out, were dying. You see, the, the poison from their, the serpent's venom was killing them, just like it does today. It can, the poison from the serpent can slowly come in and destroy dignity, marriages, families, health, nations. Look at verse 15. Notice he says that whosoever believeth in him. Notice that that's all he, it doesn't say if the elect believe in him. Whosoever that are elect. No, it's whosoever. It's everybody that's breathing in this room right now. There's nobody, absolutely nobody that he excludes. Believeth in him should not perish. That means be damned eternally in hell. 
be completely destroyed and damned in hell. That God doesn't want that. He declares in the Old Testament there alone, he declares that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It says the angels rejoice, rejoice in heaven, the angels, when someone opens the gift and receives the gift of eternal life. And notice it's everlasting life. Notice the Holy Spirit through, and Jesus himself speaking here, it's not everlasting life until, or maybe, if you don't do this. It's not in there. It's, it's everlasting. It's a gift that's given that God doesn't take back. Think of it, his love is far greater. I don't know, is any, I, don't, I never had this happen to me. It's, I, open, I, I open the gift and someone says, you know what, I like that, give that back to me. I, anybody had that happen to you on Christmas? <laughs> I think I'll give, I'll give that back to me, I like that. No, see, God doesn't do it either. It's everlasting. <laughs> And what? For God so loved the world that he gave. See, it's a gift. You can never earn a gift. God doesn't expect it. You don't have to pay for a gift. First of all, he knows we can't earn it. We're broken. And some of you, just like me, you know you can't defeat the sin nature alone. We need eternal help. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. That's, see, that's a legitimate biblical term. Are you saved? I'm not, you know, I'm not asking you, you, certainly you attend Calvary Chapel, Miami. But are you saved? If you really received the gift of eternal life, are you saved? I know you were sprinkled as a baby in some denomination, but are you saved? You went to a, maybe a Bible camp as a child. Are you saved? Are you really, you just know, I know by God's grace, I know where I'm going. I don't fear death. I'm saved. Notice, he doesn't send Jesus to condemn or to damn. Jesus didn't come to damn anybody. We damn ourselves by rejecting. The word condemn means to damn somebody. He, he came, see, to, to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament type that all the sins placed upon him. The serpent raised up on the cross. He wants people to be saved. There's not a, there's not a gift in a box, no matter how expensive, that you ever have in all your Christmases it can save you. 
make you happy, maybe beneficial. But how many, just say for instance, hypothetically 15 years ago, are you still wearing that gift? Or has it already been given to Catholic charities or maybe in your own church to help the poor? Is the watch still working? You find out it's a knockoff from Asia? <laughs> it wasn't a Rolex. Is it not broken and you don't even use it anymore? You see, the gift that God has never wears old. Never breaks. It always fits whoever receives it. Are you saved? I know you come to Calvary Chapel, Miami. And you're all thinking of gifts. We're all thinking we love to give because we know what Christmas is really about. It's the birth of Jesus Christ. The greatest gift that man could ever receive. And notice how easy it is to get saved. It says, he that believeth on him is not damned. It doesn't say, he that crawls on his hands and his feet on stony ground uphill for a hundred yards, or he that bows the head and lifts the hand or kneels in front and says certain words. It says, he that believeth. See, everything else would be works. That's my energy. Now, well, yeah, but I, I was in this church, and you really are saved, and I was told to recite this prayer, and, and I did, and I know I'm saved. Well, see, you, no, you did it from your heart. Those words, you may have repeated what someone's trying to do to help you get in, but see, it has to start here, because I've, I've been a pastor for 53 years, and many, many people said the words, done this and that, because they want the wife to cancel a divorce, or they don't want to lose their job, or have their house taken from them. Oh, I want to believe in Jesus. Yeah, uh, what's, what do I say? And after two weeks, three weeks, and it doesn't happen, they're gone. It wasn't from here, it was from here. Yeah, say this and it's automatic. No, it's got to be here. And it's instant. Everything, past, present, future, is covered. That's what he wants to do today. There, there's not a person that he's not considering right now. There's no human sitting here today. See, he's condemned already because he's not believed in the name Jesus Christ. Not some generic name like God. The Buddhists, their God is Buddha. The Shintoists have a god. Hindus have 300 million gods. Trying to remember all those. It's the name of the only begotten Son of God. He can't make it any easier. He's revealed who he is in his son, Jesus Christ. God became man to redeem man. So there's only, it's just simple, just believe. 
You don't have to go through some ritual. And see, the greatest insult that any human being could ever give God is to say that all you have to do believe is just believe in my, my son Jesus Christ that he died for your sins, that he rose from the dead, and you're saved. And so at that day, that person says, well, I tried to believe and the Satan didn't let me. That's an insult. Be careful. God doesn't say whosoever. And when someone wants to get saved, God says, sorry, I'm going to let Satan keep you from being saved. It's, see, it's the will. It's not something I can't. It's the will. And Jesus proves it by what he says next. Look at this. This is the, this is the damnation or the condemnation that light has come into the world. What did Jesus declare in John 8, 12? I am the light of the world. Light has come into the world. Men love darkness. See, the poison from the serpent isn't killing me yet. No one's found out about my adultery or dabbling in pornography or secret drug use or whatever it may be, my pain that I've been harping and hiding all these years. It's not killing me yet. No one's found out. And so because I'm still maybe enjoying it, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. It doesn't say, you see, it doesn't say they're making a mistake. It's evil. It's sin. And now look what Jesus says. There's no such thing as I can't get saved or I can't believe. It's either I will or I won't. It's the way each one of you and I are going to fulfill prophecy, what Jesus says by what takes place with every gift you have with your name on it at Christmas. There's not a person here. You can say, I don't know. I don't think I'll like what's in there. I'm not even going to look. I don't understand what's in there. Notice what Jesus says. Verse 20. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Don't give me this Jesus stuff. I'm going through a divorce, man. I'm about to file bankruptcy. Don't give me this Jesus stuff that he can fix things for me. No. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't mind religion. I believe in God. You see, but Jesus says, if you do not believe in me, you're not believing in the true and the living God. For Jesus is God. <laughs> Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, and neither cometh to the light. I refuse to open the gift. I may not like it. I, may, I don't understand it. It just seems too simple. And the reason I don't come to the light, lest his deed should be reproved. I don't want people to find out. And see, God loves you so much, for some of us maybe, no one has found out yet. He wants it, it's between you and him. Please receive my gift. And it's over, it's, it's covered in the blood. It's washed away forever. 
and you'll never have to, you see, it'll never not fit. It, it fits. It can't perish. It won't break down because the gift is God himself. <laughs> but now, let's go back 4,500 years that Jesus is speaking of when this type, he's speaking of himself here, took place with the children of Israel after they left Egypt. Turn to Numbers chapter 21. Here's the beauty of God's grace. They're, they're just about to enter in. Now, just to show you the kind of pastor Moses was and his brother Aaron. Aaron was his assistant pastor. And the love of God. Nothing 40 years of murmuring and complaining the way God was leading them to protect them from being infected with all the crud and the sin and the, what, the fruit of sin of Egypt, living like Egyptians. They, they, remember, they, they didn't hate Egypt, they hated the Egyptians. I like the, I want to live that way. I want that bling, I want that clothing, I want that, I want, why do I have to live like this? You're giving me this promise of the promised land and redemption and it's, and it's amazing. They all wanted to keep going back, go back. They wanted to stone Moses, go back. All he did is continue to pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. So here we are, they're on the verge, they're almost there again. They're just on the verge of entering, and, and Satan's pulling out the stops at this last moment. Notice verse 1 of Numbers 21. When King Arad, Arad you know, is the type of the, the devil. He's a, a rebel. It means rebel, wild ass. And so what's he do? He, they're about to enter the Canaanite land, which is, it means merchandiser, trafficker, moneymaker, materialism. They're on their way up from the Gulf of Aqaba, which is part of the Red Sea, all the way up on the Arabian side, up, up through Petra, up toward Jerusalem. So when King Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. Sure enough, they're back in it again. God's delivered them, and some were right back into what they were in before. They couldn't, they just, I want it now. So they're right back, they got thousands of dollars of credit card debt. They're worried about a doctor's report because of the way they're living, not because of some maybe tragic disease or sickness that people get, but my lifestyle is, I don't even want to go to the doctor. I'm afraid what, they're right back again. And they're prisoners. Satan's got them again. And notice, and this is what God wanted, Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, if thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. In other words, Lord, if you'll just give me another chance, I'll never do it again. Lord, I'm so sorry. 
And it's amazing how often it takes place over 40 years. And see, here's the proof of the New Testament, Jesus' love, that this is nothing but a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ because when he does speak in the first person after he did come, the brazen serpent, you know, on that pole was Jesus when he came. He said, he who comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Over and over and over. And notice how quickly when they really cried out, Look at verse 3. The Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called the name of the place Ormah, or utter destruction. That's it. I'm finally done with this. I'm taking it, the victory. I'm tired of it all. And then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Let's see, our people, how long, when are we going to get there? I'm tired of just the way you're leading me. And the people spake against God and against Moses. You know, it's always, when I'm in my most miserable state with the sin I'm doing and doing to myself, it's amazing how, well, if God is love, why do you let this happen? And he didn't tell me to go to the bar and get hammered and go the wrong way in a one-way street, end up in a hospital. Well, if God is love, why do you let this happen? I did it. He doesn't violate free will. He's tried to. St- he's been trying to stop me for years, but I don't want that gift. I don't understand it. I don't know if I like it. Don't give me this Jesus stuff. And so they're discouraged again. And it's the pastor's fault. It's Moses' fault. It's the church. It's God's fault. And why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Remember, when they left Egypt, he had manna. Can you imagine? It was the perfect food that would meet every, every need that the body needed for his nutrients and vitamins. God's perfect food. For 40 years, she's going, I'm going to take care of you and keep you. It'll keep you healthy all the way. Can you, just stop and think of this. If Monday morning, tomorrow morning, everything that was not good for you, that just tasted good, was off the shelves in the grocery stores, you know what? Your grocery store would probably be the size of this room. There'd be bankruptcy. Everything that's in there is nothing but food that's healthy and good for you. You don't have to worry about GMO or whatever that stuff is today. There's always something. And stop and think. There's no high blood pressure, no worrying about cholesterol, no sugar diabetes, no joint pain, no, no headache. You'd be healthy. There's no junk wearing your liver out. They didn't like that. 
I like, I want to I wanna eat like the Egyptians. I want to eat whatever I want to eat. God says, it's not good for you. I, I can take care of you. I'll provide all you need. Just listen to me. I've got this all planned to get you there. And compared to eternity, a few years is nothing. It's just a, a little vapor. It's a blip out of eternity with no end either way. It's a microsecond. This time, you're in this, this realm that we're in now. It's just time. It's a little bloop. 7,000 years out of eternity. It's nothing. And I, I'm not even making it last 7,000 years for you. I've, done, I've been so good. I've allowed you to live to maybe 60, 70, 80. And some of you I love so much, I've taken you at 30, 20, 10, six weeks old. And you're in eternity, in paradise with God. Don't give up. Don't quit. Why do you doubt me? You're not doubting what you're getting Christmas morning. You're opening it, wanting to find out what it is. And really, notice what the Lord did. This is the only thing he could do now to really get their attention. You see, because they don't want to come to the light. Remember, men love darkness. The venom wasn't, the poison from the serpent wasn't killing them yet. No one's found out about it yet. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people in Israel died. The sin, you see, it's a type of sin. It's catching up with them, and now people have found out. You got the blood test. You've been diagnosed. You've lost the house. Lost your job. Whatever it may be, it's, it's just this horrible pain. I'm not trusting and taking the gift. Notice again, verse 7. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. Finally, you know, I can't blame it on my uncle. I can't blame it on my neighborhood. I can't blame it on, you know, the nationality that I am. I can't blame it. I've sinned. I'm dying. I've seen my parents, I've seen my friends die from this. I've sinned. It's caught up with me. We've spoken against the Lord. And against thee, pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed. Look at the kind of pastor he is. He prayed for them. The love. See, the love of God that was in the true pastor in, in Moses, he prayed for them. He's more concerned about God's glory and the sheep that he's trying to lead to the promised land than even himself. He didn't care if it, he had it any easier. He loved God too much. And he loved the people too much. And notice how quickly God again responds. He who comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Remember, you're part of the whosoever. That, there's, that means nobody here is left out. Whoever you are. Now, this is what God could have said. A lot of people miss this. This is very important. 
They, they had this idea, well, the, God, the New Testament is God's love. The Old Testament is God's judgment and anger and death and punishment. Now remember, they've been under the law for 40 years. They were given the law that how you could survive with God on the way to the promised land if you sinned. He could have said, you have 24 hours to either get a sheep without a blemish or a goat or an oxen without any kind of a blemish and you get back here and you fall on your faces and crawl for 500 yards like the Tibetan Buddhists do to get favor from Buddha and you better have an animal at, at one of the sons of Aaron to have its throat slit or you're dying and go to hell. That's the law. He didn't say that. See, what Jesus wants people to know is he, grace is so wonderful. God says he could have done it. But notice what he said. The Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looketh upon it, he shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld or just looked and regarded on the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, it's nothing but grace. Uh, just right now, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, but just sit, look up. Just look up. I haven't seen one person fall on the, on the floor. Oh, it's too hard. Oh, you're asking too much of me. Oh, what do you mean, look? You've been looking at this old geezer for 30 minutes and none of you have fallen out of your chair. <laughs> How hard is it to look? What would you rather do? Have him judge you under the law and you better get to a, an innocent substitute pretty quick to shed its blood or you're damned. You're not going to make it. The poison's going to kill you. You deserve it. You see, God's love and heart and grace overrides everything. He said, if you'll just look. It's, it's almost like, you know, you're out of, the plane's going down, and out you jump. And the guy next to you, he's looking at you, and you're going to, he says, you better pull pretty soon. We're just, we're going to be hitting the ground breeze and pull right there. Pull that. Well, I don't know if it'll, I've never done this before. I don't know if it'll work. How do I know? Pull, man, pull. You're about to die. You're going to hit the, you're going to hit the ground pretty soon. Pull. Well, I don't know if it'll work for me. I've never done this before. It's, and here's the, here's the, this is what reminds me of. I've got to tell you the story. There's three men. They're flying from St. Louis to L.A. A shoe salesman, a brilliant scientist, research scientist, and a hippie. 
and then the pilot's taking them along. And before you know it, they don't even realize the pilot comes out with a parachute on. He says, I'm sorry, but uh, the, we've run out of fuel and the plane's just going to glide and you've got about 30 minutes and it's going to hit the ground. You, you better get ready. And out the pilot jumps. And there's, <laughs> here's the, the brilliant research scientist, the hippie, and then the shoe salesman. They all start looking. And what happened, there was a mistake made and there were only two parachutes on the plane left with three guys. And the research scientist stands up and said, well, you know, I'm, I'm one of the smartest men in the world, and my research, uh, I have discovered there's certain cures for cancer. And for heart disease, I, I, I'm important. I have to live. And he, out he jumps. And the shoe salesman looks at the hippie. There's only one parachute left. He, he goes, oh, my. What am I going to do? What? Who? What? How? And the hippie says, Relax. The smartest man in the world just jumped out with my backpack. <laughs> now, under the law, all God says, He makes it, can't make it any, just look. How, many, how much muscle does it take just to look up? Well, you see, when you go to the New Testament, it's even easier. It doesn't say bow your head, lift your hand, crawl on your knees, do this, do that. It says believe. That's the heart. Make your heart go to the right side. Make your heart go up under your throat. No. Just believe. It's from the heart. It's easier. It's either I will or I won't. And that's the question. Will you or won't you? Do you have you received the greatest gift that will never weigh out, wear out? You'll never have to return it. You won't want to return it. You'll know you're forgiven. The conscience is like a million tons. And not only does that, he do that, when he gives the gift, he comes and dwells within you and seals you and keeps you and enables you to live until that moment when you're out of time. You're back, you're in eternity forever, forever and ever and ever in the presence of God, his peace, his love. And nothing can take it away. Never, never again, tears or sickness or sadness or betrayal or infidelity or pain, desires that no one knows but he knows. And it's all fulfilled in you and Jesus. And that's why God says, please receive my gift. Let's all pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Who can understand it? There's nothing in the scripture that says we must understand. It just says we should believe. And how willing so many of us are just to open a package that we know nothing about it, what's in it. And yet, 
the greatest gift we could ever receive that lasts forever, never wears out or breaks or wastes away. We refuse to believe and see how wonderful you are through Jesus Christ, your son. And it's for everybody in this room, Father, I thank you that it's whosoever Your love is so amazing. And I pray, Father, that there be nobody that leave this place today without receiving your gift, that this would be the greatest Christmas that they ever experienced. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, family, let's all stand. And we'll close in song. Uh, the pastors, they're going to be up front. And perhaps you've never believed. Uh, you've never prayed. You've never been willing to change that will. I encourage you. Feel free to talk with one of the pastors if you have any questions or want to pray it through. And perhaps you need prayer. You want to pray for a loved one this Christmas. Maybe you know you have some extra time with them and you just want the Holy Spirit to keep working in their heart, softening their heart, and encourage you to come up front and pray with one of the pastors. Uh, so Lord, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for this gift that you've given us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance, Lord. So Holy Spirit, just fill us afresh and anew this morning, uh, whether it's to be able to reach our, our lost loved ones, Lord. Uh, Lord, perhaps it's uh, just growing deeper with you, Lord, and just being reminded how you are a perfect father. Jesus, how you're gentle and lowly in heart, Lord. Lord, forgive us when uh, we ascribe characteristics to you, Lord, that aren't found in your word, God, or if we're ignoring certain character traits that you tell us, Lord, just so we can raise up others. Lord, would you forgive us? And would you just help us to just truly cling to you, Lord, and believe in you and in your word. So, Lord, we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.